When I was a kid, I wanted to be a teacher when I grew up, and now I'm a publicist. Hi, I'm Ben Hanani. Welcome to How Do You Do, a podcast featuring creative guests sharing the nuances of their process. Just a quick reminder to subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts is the most helpful thing you can do for the podcast. My guest today is Madison Steinberg. Madison is a publicist and digital marketer currently based out of LA and working for global lifestyle brand and retailer Cole Han. Her work spans into the digital space, now overseeing organic social channels for the lifestyle brand, and she's a champion of interdepartmental communications. I'm sure we'll get into what that actually means in a moment, but she's worked on brand campaigns, digital strategies, event production, and collaborations along the likes of Jeff Staple, Hassan Minhaj, Rodarte, Chinatown Market, and Slack Technologies, all while advocating for new ways to approach the new normal of marketing. Her work as a publicist has landed clients' campaigns and launches in publications including Vogue, Fast Company, Footwear News, WWD, Esquire, and many more. Without further ado, welcome to the pod, Maddie. Thank you so much for having me. This is, like I said, just so flattering. So thank you again. Of course. Thank you for making the time. I'm really excited because I know you for many years now, and also I'm a big fan of Cole Haan, and I think one of the cool things, at least from my perspective, is Cole Haan is a brand that has the respect of both my parents and grandparents and people our age, which is yep. kind of rare to find. Like when you walk through a mall, usually it's like, okay, that's a old school brand or that's a hip new brand. But Cole Haan has this kind of really awesome intergenerational appeal. So I'm excited to get into all that. But first, I want to bring it to you and what inspired you to get into PR, which I think is an exceptionally creative field. Yeah, well, I mean, thank you again for all the flattering words. Really what inspired me when I was younger was magazines. You know, I would go to the supermarket with my mom and at, at the end of the aisle would be all of the weeklies. There would be publications that I thought were inspiring, whether it'd be something like fashion, lifestyle, cooking, real estate, all sorts of things. And I remember obviously at a young age flipping through and not necessarily realizing how things ended up on these pages. Obviously, journalists, editors, photographers, all get the work <laughs> executed onto the pages. But what's really amazing about PR and being a publicist and what I learned, you know, aside from being in a supermarket with my mom well down the road, is that a publicist or a PR professional and or an agency and, you know, all of those parties have to work and have to pitch and have to craft stories and narratives to get the information out to those editors and to those publishers in order to inform their stories and their um, narratives that they're then disseminating and getting out to consumers or their readers. So when I discovered that, it's like, this is the perfect thing for me. I mean, I used to have, I'm not kidding, a stack of magazines on my desk that I would flip through before even doing my homework for school. It was always like the thing I wanted to do was what I spent my free time doing, I would clip things, which was just funny because then down the road as an intern, I spent <laughs> hours cutting up magazines as a job. But then when I was younger, you know, I spent time literally cutting out magazine things and hanging them on my wall. So once I discovered that that was a job, it was all I wanted to do. And then, you know, finding the perfect college for me and being able to learn about what the actual processes of being a true 
publicists and PR professional were was just something that was immediately compelling to me and was definitely what I had my eyes set on since I was like 15. So, um, yeah. yeah. Sounds like there's a lot of strategy involved in it, which is something that I've become more familiar with because I, I think a few years ago, if somebody asked me what PR was, I would have thought that it's just pretty much sending out the release, which by the way, your name is on those releases. So if anybody looks up a recent Cole Haan release, you'll see at the end your your name, Madison Steinberg, which is awesome. And there's a lot of storytelling within that too. But I think it's really cool to hear that it's a very 360 process where you're collaborating with different entities. And I'm curious, like of all those different, you know, creative elements of the job, what are some of the ones you find most fulfilling? What does that look like for you? I definitely have so much uh, passion in like interdepartmental communication. I always say to my coworkers or teammates or anyone who joins the company, over communicating is better than under communicating. And obviously as a publicist, that might sound <laughs> shocking to you because obviously a lot of publicists are known for, you know, there's like the the bad word that you want to spin something. I, I don't ever want to spin something. I think it's all about being transparent, but back to your question, I find it's, especially at my position right now, and I have, I've had, you know, other experiences, but currently at my position, it's really cool to see things happen literally from the design to the consumer's hands. So I, I think what's most exciting for me is watching designers, people who work in materials, people who work with our factories, people who then design our campaigns, people who work on the e-com side and how to bring our site experience to life for a consumer. Everything about the design and copy, bringing it all to life with the consumer's behaviors in mind is has always been fascinating to me. And then that, to your point about press releases and or like pitches that I do with, I always keep, you know, notepads. If you saw my desk right now, it's constantly covered in post-its because anytime I hear a tidbit, whether it be from a creative, a marketer, a salesperson, I keep notes of all those things because as a publicist and as a communicator, I have to kind of keep those anecdotes in the back of my mm. mind so that I can kind of go back to them and think, oh, this would be the perfect person to say this to because this is their beat and this is what they typically cover. So along the whole journey, I'm always thinking about, okay, how will this product or this campaign or this story need to be then translated to get or to entice a reporter to cover it? Because at the end of the day, I mean, it's a really symbiotic relationship. Journalists can't do anything without PR. Right. <laughs> there wouldn't be a publicist without a journalist. So yeah. I always try and think of it in the sense that I don't want to send something to someone that isn't going to benefit their workday or right. their workload. So I'm always thinking about what can I send to this person and how can I make their life easier and give them all the information or not all the information, but the perfect amount of information yeah. at once so they can go write their story and do their job and help me do mine. Yeah, it's interesting the concept of you're going to someone who's beat you know, because I think, you know, I've heard of sports beat. So you have the LA Times and you have the Lakers beat writer who'll travel with yep. the Lakers. But as we've talked a bit on this podcast with Shannon Tooby, who you know as well, who's worked in PR and the food side, you know, if you're pitching restaurants, you go to a new restaurant, for example, in her case, she would go to the Eater LA person in charge of restaurant openings. And it's, it sounds like there's something similar happening with you where if you know, like, okay, so 
for example, with the Hassan Minhaj collaboration, I'm sure you were going to some sources that you might not go to when you come out with a wingtip, right? It's a totally Absolutely. different group of reporters that you'll reach out to dependent on the product. Does that sound right? Perfectly. You took the words out of my mouth. And what's, what's even greater about social media is that I can also kind of pinpoint, that's a great example for some, when we work with collaborators, you know, I can pinpoint who's written about someone or something in the past, you know, whether it be a Google search or different, right. you know, technologies we use and or on their social media. So if someone's tweeted that they're a fan of X, Y, and Z, I can easily find that and think that this person may not have ever been a good fit for something I would have normally yeah. talked to them about, but now like they're going to be stoked to hear that we're doing this. And that's what's really cool about working for a brand. You know, I used to be at an agency, which I loved. And at an agency, I think I learned what I needed to learn so fast in a year. And it was, it was yeah. crazy, but it was intense. And, but I loved every second of it. And, but my goal was to always be at a brand because mm -hmm. at a brand, you get a lot of exposure to a lot of different teams and people. And, you know, I've had a lot of really great experiences working with really great and exciting and hands-on collaborators. So. Yeah, that's a good segue into differences between the agency and the brand side. When you were at the agency, did you feel like the scope of your work was smaller or how was it different creatively? Because you are working with multiple entities as opposed to right now where your focus is the one company. Yeah, well, I had an interesting experience. I was at a small agency where all of my clients were accessories based, whether it be jewelry or footwear, which was a great segue into my now yeah. career. <laughs> but it was pretty segmented. So I was dealing with a very segmented group of media because of the clients I had. But with that being said, the agency had other categories. So we were able to you know, work very collectively. I like, we kind of created a little family as like junior associates of always kind of knowing who was writing what. And we had a very collaborative work environment in the sense that if someone was working with an editor on X, Y, and Z, and then all of a sudden they needed jewelry, they needed shoes right. and like, oh, this person right next to me is able to help you with that. But overall at an agency, you are more siloed because you don't have, you know, as much say creatively, you know, as when you're responding to a client, they want you to push X, Y, and Z. And there's sometimes some little there's little wiggle room, but you get to be a little bit more creative in how you're communicating that. So yeah. if you're just told that this is the priority, well, you can kind of bring more creative thinking to the table that maybe a brand who is, you know, works inside their bubble wouldn't have thought of. So I don't, and I will say that sometimes at a brand, you, you know, you eat, breathe, sleep, everything, you know, that your brand is trying to convey. So it's always really nice to have an outsider's perspective. So an age, when I was on an agency, that's what we were able to provide. And then now internally, I sometimes turn to, you know, vendors, partners to help provide that. That's a good point. The sources of inspiration that help you stay fresh and think outside of the box when you're working at a brand. How do you, when you, when you have these sources of inspiration coming in, how do you gather your thoughts and decide on a narrative for a product? I mean, do you have, you mentioned you have post-its all over the place. Do you have those for the storytelling? Do you have like a whiteboard where you just write stuff? What does it look like? Like if we were to shadow you as you're coming out with the story for a product, what would we see? Well, I always try and think about what the consumer or the reader is going to want to know about. There are tons of things that I could throw at a writer to then throw at the consumer or 
to, you know, try and get them to, you know, buy the product and what and all that. But I think it's really important to, from the PR side of things and communicating to a journalist, I never want to overwhelm a person. I want to get them the exact, like, I try and keep things to kind of like a three bulleted list. Like this is what you need to know and why. Um, But I always try and think of the consumer. That's honestly all I wanted to think about because at the end of the day, you know, and especially in modern days, it's just about sell. I mean, and there are other, that's just one angle, I should say. And another point, you know, there are more brand narratives, which, you know, that's a little different in terms of the creativity process, depending on, you know, what you're working on, who you're working with and the brand and what they want to communicate. But if you were to shadow me, you would see a lot of (laughs) post-its, a lot of tabs open because, you know, I have to, I have to read a lot of news. I have to, I have to keep up with who's writing what, what their opinions are if they've shifted their beat at all, if they stopped writing, if they moved to freelance, which in the past year we've seen a lot of, which is, you know, there's pros and cons, you know, know, a lot of publishers have had to shift and people have gone freelance. So I try to read as much as I can. I try to keep up on any sort of new strategic PR opportunities. So for instance, you know, in the last few years, we've seen such a great rise in digital newsletters, you know, yeah. from things like The Skim to Morning Brew. So I'm always trying to think of, okay, I wouldn't have ever really thought about this, but The Morning Brew is essentially, a, you know, it's a digital outlet. Like how, yeah. if we have something that comes out that relates to them, I should be pitching them. And I think, you know, three, four years ago, that wasn't on the top of everyone's mind, maybe for something more business related and right. finance related. But now that's like where a lot of people get their news and people are just, inundated with so much news um so i'm always trying to think of new modern media approaches like a podcast and how we can get our 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 storytelling out i was especially impressed with the hassan minhaj sneaker line because there was a content element to it as well you Mm -hmm. you sent someone out to i believe it was davis or sacramento where he was at where he grew up with his family and actually recorded videos and followed him in very sentimental places in his life and how do you think about the the strategy when it comes to collaborations and how much Cole Haan should get into content directly what are those kinds of considerations like you can talk about it generally obviously yeah yeah well I can't take credit for that video but that video was really meaningful and impactful I know it meant a lot to him I will say for collaborators it's always really important and I used to deal with this at the agency side as well it's really important to get the collaborator's point of view. You don't want something, you know, that one, if it's like the leading brand to take the, like, you know, something might say F, you know, blank X blank, but you want it to be cohesive. You don't want that one leading title to be the owner. You want it to be very natural and organic. So I, you know, we've, I always hold a meeting where we just ask people for their background and ask people why this is meaningful to them, what their design inspiration was, what are the key elements? I mean, the Hassan one's a great example. I mean, he really incorporated so many personal elements literally into the shoes, like wove details into the shoes. So I think it's just really important to always keep that in mind. We really try to kind of keep a personal lens on things because at the end of the day, I mean, specifically at Kohan, and this doesn't apply to everything, but, you know, like you mentioned, so, so Kohan can be the shoes your dad wore, but it also yeah. can be the shoes you wore to prom or your graduation. Yeah. And it's very intergenerational. 
Um, so it's really nice to have those really personal familial, if possible, narrative tie-ins to provide media. And I think the media have responded really well to that in that circumstance. Collaborations, you know, brands do all the time. And in some instances don't come off as organic or as a right fit. So I think it's just really important that when brands do collaborate, brands across the gamut, like not even just in fashion and lifestyle, but in every aspect, I just think it's always really important that there is that like really natural sensibility to it. That's awesome. And it makes me think of specifically in the case of that sneaker line. I remember him saying that his he had these one pair of sneakers or shoes rather that he wore to his daily show audition. He wore to all these memorable events in his life. And it was really cool how it was all tied in. Before we get into rapid fire questions, I want to ask through your PR experience, have you seen anything that you think is especially unique to standing out in the fashion landscape? Um, I know you've had experience with different kinds of companies, but it seems like fashion is at a really interesting juncture right now, especially with the rise of e-commerce, which I think is awesome because it allows consumers like me to more easily get your products and enjoy them. At the same time, I think it can be hard to stand out when there's TikTok and Snap and Twitter and Facebook and all these different outlets to reach a, uh, a customer like me. So how, how have you found with fashion in particular that you're able to stand out as so many things are changing in the landscape? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I mean, I don't always like to use the word fashion just because I even think growing up in LA or, you know, or not, I used to live in New York, fashion can sometimes have like a negative connotation to it or snooty or exclusive. So I always like to think about that. I do PR and we, I, we represent a lifestyle brand. So, I mean, this is again, very specific to Kohan, but I think if I were to go beyond somewhere, I wouldn't want to be a publicist for a brand or that doesn't provide some sort of benefit to my day-to-day, to be completely honest. Um, I think the way we all engage with brands, like DTC brands on their websites or when we're on social media or when we see ads in social media, I personally resonate with things that, yeah, maybe it's like a style that I might wear, but I, I personally resonate to the messaging that I think is impactful. So whether right. it's something that relates to my career and my personal life or like sustainability, the things that I have, I have like values in, yeah. um, I think that is the most important. I don't know if that fully answers your question, but yeah. that's kind of where I diverged. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I think in PR is, you know, sometimes has a negative connotation to it. Like I mentioned at the beginning, like people think of the word spin and like PR stunt and things like that. But I really think that with really, like I mentioned, consumer minded strategies and at this point in time, DTC e-com focused strategies that really convey honesty and like have a relatability component, people will resonate with that. And they'll go to your site and maybe they won't buy something, but they'll think about you the next time they're ready to buy something. Yes, 100%. So for example, right now I have weddings coming up and Kohan is the first place (laughs) I think about when it comes to buying new shoes because you have so excellently communicated the story of the brand and I feel like there are values that that are common between me and the brand, which is a faceless entity, but you and your team have done such a good job of making 
this faceless entity seem like actually a relatable friend in a weird way, um, which well, I think I'd love is. I love to hear that. I'm yeah. happy it's working. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so kudos to you and your team. We'll wind down now with a few little rapid fire questions. Firstly, what's an app that you can't live without? And let's say one that didn't come with your phone, so not FaceTime or the text messages app or any of that. Definitely Instagram. I mean, the easy answer is Instagram, but I think if I had to pick another one, I'd say New York Times Cooking for sure. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. Yeah. Nice. And if you could wake up tomorrow having gained one skill or ability, what would it be? I would say I would love to be able to code, like for sure. And what's a place you haven't been to yet that you hope to visit? Japan. That's our number one answer. Number one answer on the podcast. Yep. (laughs) I'm dying to go. So we we have an office there. So I'm really dying to go. And we always ask our guests for a song recommendation that they're jamming to right now because we have a Spotify playlist where we add each guest's recommendation. So if you want to make a contribution to our playlist, what would it be? I couldn't pick a song, but I'm just really, I've been really feeling Dua Lipa. Fair. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll pick a Dua Lipa jam for you to put in the playlist. And finally, where can people check out your work, follow you on social media, learn about all of the cool stuff coming out of Kohan? Um, you can find me on Instagram and LinkedIn. Perfect. All right. Thank you. And if anyone's curious about the podcast, you can check us out on Instagram at HDYD pod. We wrapped up just in time for the gardener to come in the backyard. So we did it. We did it. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, it's all good. <laughs> no, thank you so much. This was super insightful. And I mean, I'm a big fan of what you're doing and what the brand is coming out with as a whole. So this was a real treat. I really thank appreciate you. it. And if you have any follow-up questions, I mean, I don't feel like I'm the perfect publicist, so I'm always learning and I'm kind of treating this like a good experience for like a job interview. So if you ever need anything, I'm like always around. And and now that I'm in LA, we should like connect. So yeah, thank you again. This has been really fun. Of course. Thank you. And and, uh, good luck with your new and bigger family. I hope you found value in today's conversation. If you still haven't left your review for How Do You Do Podcast, I'm going to walk you through the process right now, and it only takes 10 seconds. First, look at your phone screen and click where it says, How Do You Do Podcast, which is in purple. And if you're not seeing this, then you're probably listening to this on a different app. So I want you to click on where it says, Listen on Apple Podcasts, and then you'll see the purple link. Click that. Then you'll just scroll past all the previous episodes to where it says, Ratings and Reviews. And all you need to do is tap the star on the far right and you've left a five-star rating. I thank you in advance for taking the 10 seconds to do that. And I really, truly appreciate you listening to this episode. Thanks for sharing it with your friends and followers. And I'll see you back here next week. 